Today is Monday, January 29th, 2024, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. All right, today, oh goodness, I I hate these topics. Okay, (laughs) today we talk about Mary and lactation art. I hate myself for even saying that, but it's a thing and it's real and it's just weird and creepy and I don't get the justification for it. I don't know how you say you venerate uh, Mary as a Catholic and in the same breath make this, to me, disgusting and insane imagery in art with Mary lactating everywhere. It's Man, is just messed up. Um, I don't know if that's my just dirty Protestant view, but I, I don't get how anyone can justify this. So we talk about that for a while and people justify it. <clears throat> Or maybe not here. Maybe they justified it in chat. Anyways, um, so then we talk about hermeneutics of the New Testament authors. So as much time as we spend talking about how we should do proper hermeneutics, um, where does that fall to the New Testament authors? Do we just uh, wave a blind eye? Wave a... I'm messing up my stuff. (laughs) Do we just turn a blind eye or hand wave? There we go. Oh, what is happening? Is this long COVID? Anyways, um, so do we turn a blind eye or hand wave away the New Testament authors when they do hermeneutics about quoting previous Bible verses from the Old Testament um, because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, so we just say, okay, that's good? Or do we analyze it and put them through the same uh, hermeneutical rigors that we use for ourselves? Well, we can do both. I I mean, you know, ultimately it's right because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit, but they happen to also be right when they're using it. Or they're just doing it as a as a way about thinking or a common uh, you know a common saying or something like that. So we talk about that for a while. Then we get a question: uh, Why is death required for atonement? And you hear me hear me ramble a while like I am right now because apparently I hey by the way I just weaned myself off caffeine. So <laughs> as you hear me ramble and mumble, I sound like Joe Biden. Uh, peace be upon him. But um, may, maybe that's like the brain fog from no caffeine. Anyways, it took like two weeks. If anyone's interested in doing that, it took like two weeks. I, I finally stopped soda. I did this like years ago. And then I finally crept back in. And I'm like, oh, soda, I miss you so much. And I just went like full bore caffeine, soda, coffee, tea, lattes, everything. So I'm like, okay, this is awful because I hate missing a day. And then you get like a splitting migraine. So I, I decided, okay, we got to get back to just like drinking water only. Um, kind of health conscious and minimalistic. Uh ideology there. Nothing to do with religion. Anyways, so I, uh, for those who care, I, it took about two weeks and I stopped soda right away and I started drinking, uh, tea, like black tea, um, you know, hot black tea, um, once a day, pretty heavy scoops, like a tablespoon, like a heaping tablespoon. So it had plenty of caffeine. And then over the next two weeks, I, I took about a week, I dial it down, dial it down. And then I switched to green tea, which is less caffeine. Then I went to a green tea and white tea blend until there was just barely any caffeine in it. And then I had about three or four days of moderate headaches, but I just suffered through it because it wasn't too bad. And after uh, a few more days of that, um, I don't get headaches anymore. So hopefully another week my brain fog will clear and I'm not like a crazy rambling person on the internet for people to hear. Um, so maybe my maybe my cognitive abilities will come back with like another week or so off caffeine. Anyway, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Colin Quinn. Ha, see, I remember that. That guy said that. Okay, so we talk about that and then we get into, um, you know, <clears throat> some philosophy a little bit. Not the kind that makes me bang my head against the door, but the kind that still makes me leave. Um, so someone asked, like, why would God create Lucifer knowing all the stuff that was going to happen? And uh, 
our resident philosopher, Jesse, gives some very good books if someone's interested in reading books about this and evils and, and things like that. There's like three of them, uh, ranging from, I guess, light reading to pretty in-depth um, reading. Reading, that's the word. What's reading? Oh my gosh, I'm going back to bed. Anyway, so if you're interested, listen for the titles and the authors. And we also talk about uh, the Scarlet Letter... Letter, the Scarlet Letter. I'm so done. The Scarlet Thread by some guy in like the 40s, um, going back to Blood Atonement and why that's necessary. And um, yes, check out the Ask a Christian book where I compose my thoughts a little bit more... <laughs> a little bit more um, cognizantly, cogently, whatever, uh, than I am right now. And you can find that on Amazon. You can also find the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, coffee mug, or we have dog shirts um, to support this podcast, sharing the gospel online with people who need the gospel. So take care, share these links, and we will see you later. And all the links to the store and book are in the description. Till next time. Um, it does. <laughs> I was saying, man, like, it, it's they're my new least favorite group to discuss things with. Um. I mean, if there's like run of the mill Catholics, and they're just like, yeah, you know, God's cool. I go to Catholic church. You know, I I go to church twice I, a year, or, or more than that, right? Or maybe maybe like um somewhere between that and full on rabid apologist, um like like a happy medium. If there's like a Catholic in the happy medium, then that doesn't really know or care what their church teaches, then that's easy enough. Um, but when you get like these like rabid like super apologists um for the pope um it's like man like i don't get it man like the indoctrination is real um like extra real um and that's coming from me right we're atheists like oh you're all indoctrinated but so are they anyway that's not the point but oh my gosh like you can't say two words without like getting some like like i haven't found one sound argument like the only sound arguments i find are when they're agreeing with us about like super basic things because we're both like you know um, arguing against like a Unitarian or or like Muslims or something like that, and and they just happen to say like you know like here's a Bible verse just read this bro I'm like yeah I agree with that because they you know were able to write down a chapter and verse out of the Bible that they don't dispute, um, but but if it's like to arguing about like their differences oh my gosh man between like Mary and like the lactation pictures and like, I, I can't believe it, dude. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, if you're trying to like, you know, worship or uh, venerate Mary, maybe you should take it a little easy on like the breast milk squirting everywhere in paintings. Like, I mean, Mary is just a normal person, right? Like, you know, Mary, hell Mary, full of grace, blessed are you among women. Yeah. Right. She was favored by God. I get that. But even someone that doesn't even venerate her like a Catholic would, like, dude, that is that is a little um a, a little <laughs> offensive to see Mary like shooting breast milk all over the place, um in, in like hundreds of their artwork. I don't know. It, it's like some there's like some psychological term for that, right? It, it's like when um like like disassociation or something. It's like you know they they totally worship Mary, right? So f from my perspective, they worship Mary, but they also create like pretty irreverent blasphemous pictures of Jesus with Mary and like, you know, naked boobs shooting breast milk all over the place. That's messed up. And I don't worship Mary. And then from their perspective, if they totally don't worship Mary, but they venerate her, that's a weird way of venerating someone. Am I, I mean, you're the artist, right? Like Steph tried explaining this yesterday. She's like, it's art. It's art. Oh, it's just art. You know what I learned about art? 
is pretty messed up. So well, do you yeah. do you def- are you going to defend this now? Or are you going to make yeah, I was an artist. It's weird. It's messed up. Boob milk everywhere is gross. Or no, no. See see between it. Notice the colors. Notice the hue of of the art. Or like yeah, man, that's weird. Like, Sorry, I can't get blast blasphemy. That was in reference to Jesus in the picture with her. Yeah, I mean, the it's weird, right? Can I like, am I taking crazy pills? No, there. I mean, the whole thing is like in medieval art. They talked about. Sorry, give me a second. Loading my father-in-law's walker. Um, yeah. Sorry if that was loud. You know, they talked about all this stuff as the sustenance, you know, that that we share with Mary and all this other nonsense, and it's just it's just idolatry. Yeah, that that was the line, um, <laughs> Steph Steph gave from I guess her her medieval um art class or whatever. She's like, well, it was to combat the Muslim thinking around the Renaissance or whatever that um. You know, the Muslims think uh, Jesus is too good to, you know, live among us and eat and drink and sleep and stuff like that. So this was the Catholics way of showing the humanity of Jesus. I'm like, you know, I would have just shown him like, you know, eating a blueberry or a grape or something like that. I may not have gone for full on nudity and like, you know, lactation milk spraying all over the place. I mean, I don't know. That's just me. Maybe show Jesus eating like some a chicken leg. I don't know. But it, but it's not just like she's she's completely starting up. So um, once again, so this has nothing to do with that. What this has to do is with the idolatrous notion of Mary as co-redemptrix, and the the milk is a symbol of her life giving to um, Catholic saints. So a lot of these pictures, you don't just see Jesus. You see like a bunch of monks that are like getting sprayed by the super soaker. Dude, that is so, I can't I can't I can't get past it. Like every time I like kick over another rock, like some some other creepy thing crawls out. Like I I, I don't know, man. Like probably something like this was like happening around John the Baptist time. I mean, you know, not the Mary, because you know, but the the equivalent, and. He just, like, you know, freaked out. He's like, I'm done with you people. Started eating bugs, wearing camel's skin or whatever, and just, like, yelling at people to repent. That's probably what happened. Like, I I get it. Like, forget all this nonsense. Like, I don't care to argue. I don't care to discuss. Just, like, repent, you demons. Repent, receive eternal life. That's it. But to which God? Which God? Just repent, the Christian God. Repent to Jesus. Follow your face before God. Worship him. But I don't want to worship. They'd burn in hell, demon. I don't want that, but that's your choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, just all this stuff. I mean, I kind of started it with those pictures, I think. So, um, But, I mean, it was illuminating because, I mean, you know, <clears throat> me not being, you know, the, the most art I consume is, like, funny memes. <laughs> so, so it was illuminating. I mean, it doesn't matter if you started it. I mean, it, it's a thing, and it exists in this world for apparently a really long time. So, I, I mean, I, I guess thank you for your illumination. Maybe you're a bad mes- messenger, and you're going to get stoned by everyone now. But I mean, it's weird. 
I mean, it's not just weird and off-putting. It's definitely the idolatry. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing. It's like, it's, they want to say, oh, it's veneration. And veneration's literally a, a synonym for worship. Like, you know, none of their arguments hold water. You know where they get this veneration versus worship thing, right? Uh, they explain. explain to you where this comes from? Oh no, I don't think I have ever tried to explain because him. basically I had to, I had to like <laughs> educate all the Catholics on the app as to where it came from. Because again, like I had to teach them Catholic doctrine. So you know, and then they're like, "You didn't teach us anything." I'm like, all right, whatever. Revisionist history. That's cool. Um, you didn't even know all the sacraments. So you know, let's let's go there first. Um, but this comes from. Um, the idea between latria and dulia, okay? And these are uh, Latin words from Greek roots uh, that they found in the Septuagint. Because remember, by the 5th century, when they're doing all this Mary worship nonsense and, like, being hardcore about it, um, no one in the West spoke Greek. They could not read Greek, nor could they read Hebrew. So they were just strictly on the Latin Bible um, because they just, they couldn't, you know, they, none of them had the language. So, uh, give me a second. I'm going to transition. Oh, yeah. I think you asked a question about, like, how was it going or something like that. Well, <laughs> I, I was having this wonderful discussion with um, this, this person um, who was Catholic in one of these religious uh, Christian d- discussion groups on Facebook. And th- they were like... I'm smart, snarky, right? I can be snarky. So, you know, if I, if I try to like have a discussion and people are just like not giving good things back, I'll be a little snarky. I own that. But snarky is a long way from like, you know, yelling, screaming, cursing, swearing. Um, and these other dudes were just throwing out ad homs. So maybe they got a little snark. Um, and I got commenting turned off so I could no longer respond. And, and it turns out the person who uh, turned off commenting, they're Catholic. And the thing that apparently got me banned until, like, tomorrow <laughs> is um, they're like, so which denomination is correct? And I'm like, uh, the ones that add the least amount on top of the gospel. That's it. So, so I, guess, I guess that right there was the offense I caused that had the Catholic moderator ban me. I'm like, wow, how is that bad? Like. Anyway, uh, oh, here's some artwork. Lord of the Rings meme. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, is it Boromir? No, no, Boromir's a bad one. Remember the brothers, the two brothers, and the one died in the first movie because he tried to take the ring from Frodo? Bigly. Anyway, his brother. Um, it, it's like the scene where they're faced with, like, Mordor, and they're about to go in, and he's, he's talking about, like, he's giving the speeches, like, I don't love the the walls or the fighting or something like that, but it's like I love the that which they defend anyway. So they changed it for Texas, so it's got the thing where he's got like this the sunglasses with like this uh, the like joint hanging out of his mouth, right? Like how they have the the like baller memes or whatever when they say something yeah, like thug life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it says I do not love the razor wire. <clears throat> Let's see if I can do the voice. I can't. Um, I do not love the razor wire for its sharpness, nor the wall for its height, nor the National Guardsman for his glory. I only love that which they defend. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. He's got this very like noble picture of him in the Lord of the Rings movie. 
with like the thug life uh, glasses and joint. That's pretty great. That deserves By the way, did you, speaking of, did you see that Ben Shapiro put out a rap video? I I saw that he did, and I saw that it went number one on iTunes, but I have not heard the rap. Have you? What's it about? Yeah, I mean, it's just like there's some. I guess there's some rapper dude who's kind of controversial that um, does conservative stuff or something, and that's why he's controversial. I, I know nothing about him, um, but Shapiro did the, the rap with him. And, uh, it was funny. It was funny. So, so you, it. is it like a full song or just like a little skit rap? Or? No, it's a full song. I mean, Ben Shapiro has like 15 seconds of it because it's the other guy who's an actual <laughs> rapper, but... All right, yeah, let's uh, the let's line. Delvin. My favorite line was, "My pockets fat like Lizzo." I was like, oh, Nate's gonna <laughs> oh, "Was that, was that, that Shapiro's line?" Shapiro's line was, "My pockets are fat like Lizzo." All right, Shapiro rap. Um, Tom McDonald. Yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. I don't know anything about him. M- me either. This is not my world. Is like it. Okay, I will have to hear that. If we show that to Mark, his head will just explode. <laughs> like he, he, him and Steph are going back and forth. She's like, "No, no, you need to listen to Reliant K. Reliant K is good." He's like, "Do not be conformed to this world." I'm like, "Wait, I, th- I thought you like listen to some secular music, just not like in in a worshipful scenario." Oh, random! I saw your hand raise. I didn't, uh, didn't, didn't see that. Uh, I sent you an invite. Let me My know if you can't get up. is terrible. How many more bad hot takes are we going to take from this lady? <laughs> hey, random! Uh, you were technically first. I just didn't see your hand forever. Uh, what's up? Oh, I was just going to say it's Boromir and Faramir. Ah, thank you, Faramir. Yes, Boromir was a bad one. Faramir was like the the like noble one, right? I don't know if he was bad. He just, you know. Or, well, he had the temporary moment where he tried to, you know, kill Frodo and take the ring. But I, I mean, I guess that's not bad. They both had their moments. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the other guy, like, yeah, he he was like casting the role of bad for a little bit, but that was from ignorance. Um. Because I mean, I mean, if you saw someone hanging out with Gollum, I mean, come on. <laughs> um. Edvin, what's up? Hey, is it all right? can can I kill the levity in the room right now? Is that okay? Uh. Sure. Okay. All right. Um, question about hermeneutics. I think Chris is uh, he's good with hermeneutics. Right. Um, I understand. Like sometimes, like New Testament authors will quote the Old Testament passages from the Old Testament, and they will apply the passage in a way that wasn't the original intent of the author. I don't know if I'm wording it correctly. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you are. Chris? That's a great question. Go ahead. And My answer is... I was going to say the overview that Chris has to agree with is no matter how they word it or what they say, um, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, so it's correct. Um, but, but go on with your question, and then Chris can give. Um, yeah, Chris, you can go, too. Thank you. Uh, I have a follow-up, but go ahead and... Uh, thank you, Nate. Go ahead, Chris. Well, in, in that partic- in some particular scenarios, so for instance, the famous one is Hosea 11.1, 1, right? Um, I call my son out of Egypt. 
basically what's going on is that the author is quoting the passage for significance rather than meaning. And so we can get into what that means, but basically he's not trying to quote the passage for the original meaning of the passage. He's just using the passage as a cultural touchstone um, for his audience to understand where he's coming from. Wow, cultural touchstone. This is new. So... The reason I'm asking, because there was a, I was having a nice discussion yesterday with uh, somebody, and um, you know, in John chapter 19, and this is the context of the crucifixion, and John um, it says, and again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Now that's a reference to Zechariah 12:10, right? And I was saying, now are, are you familiar with that that passage? I'm sure you are, Chris. The, the context. Because it talks about like the mourning that also happened, you know, God pours out His Spirit on the, uh, the house of uh, Jerusalem. I mean, excuse me, the house of um, the people of Israel, and they all mourn. Every family is mourning. And my understanding is, is the context is dealing with the end times when the, the nation of Israel repents, uh, and they will look on Him whom they have pierced. Um, and the context is also God speaks about Him gathering all the nations against Jerusalem. That's the that's the verse that precedes that one where it talks about them looking on him whom they have pierced. So that that passage that John is quoting is he you know is John implying that that whole section was fulfilled at the cross or just that that statement they look on whom they have pierced or is just like a double right, fulfillment that, where that, that go ahead go ahead yeah in that it's, particular context he's using it for significance rather than. I would, would, would be my argument. Okay, so he's not saying that, that was the total fulfillment of it. Like the ultimate fulfillment, I understand, is happens at the end of time. Not, excuse me, at the end of the age, when the nation of Israel repents, they uh, mourn over their sin, and they look to Jesus Christ, and they look to him, look up, uh, on Him whom they had pierced. That's like the ultimate fulfillment. But John is implying that that's like. Can you repeat that again? The touch cultural. What did you say? <laughs> this is new to me. Well, so okay, a cultural cultural touchstone would be like if I said to Nate, Nate, um, my iPhone app is going to be one small step for man. Nate, what am I referring to? Oh, am I supposed to answer that? Sorry, I was texting. Ask the question yeah. again. <laughs> so, so I said. So if I were to say the sentence to you, my iPhone app is one small step for man, what am I referring to? Technological advancement? I'm not good at questions. Well, like, specifically, okay, specifically <laughs> I'm referring to the moon landing, right? Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Yes, one small one step for man, one giant leap for man. man. Yeah. yeah. What I'm I would so be bad at tests. <laughs> I would just be using a shortcut to say that the significance of this iPhone app will be a major turning point in human history. It's hyperbolic, right? And so the same thing can be said of when the, the New Testament writers a lot of times will quote the Old Testament is they're quoting it for significance, like this is a significant thing rather than the original meaning. It's not like my iPhone app is somehow magically going to transport you to the moon. Okay, thank you, Chris. I'm, I'm thinking about what you're saying now. In John chapter 19, excuse me, uh, verse 36, this is right before the pastor, it says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. 
John says, for these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled, the bone of him should not be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. So it seems the way it's worded is that it's the fulfillment. Someone might argue it's the fulfillment of prophecy because John speaks about the scripture should be fulfilled. So, but I hear what you're saying. I I think you're onto something. I'm going to think about that more, but does, does that make sense? So some might argue that, no, no, John is saying that this is the fulfillment of that prophecy in Zechariah 12.10. I think Matthew does it when making reference to uh, the virgin in uh, 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 Isaiah or something. So that would be a different situation. So he is, he is referring to that for meaning rather than significance. And you can tell this from the context. Because the idea of him talking about and the virgin shall conceive, um, he is he is specifically looking toward the that context in Isaiah um, for that, um, not for significance. But the in Matthew, the more famous example would be out of Egypt I have called my son, um, would have been Hosea eleven one, and Hosea eleven one has nothing to do with with the Messiah being called out of Egypt. He's just referring to it for significance rather than. So there's a really good book about this, Edwin. You know, I've always got a book, right? So um, it's by Abner Chow, uh, Dr. Chow, and his book is called The Hermeneutics of the Biblical Writers. It's really good. Abner Chow? Yep. Abner Chow. It's real short. It's only like 180 pages. Good. That's what I like. I like short books. I I sometimes, when books are, I just... Yeah, I got a short attention span. I just like when books get to the point. And there's a lot of books that I've read. This is a little of a tangent. I've read a lot of books. Sometimes it's like, regardless of what the topic is, they always seem to manage to get 300 pages in. It's like, I think this book could have been a lot shorter. But anyway, I prefer short books. But thank you. Abner Chow. Uh, yeah, Abner Chow. He's a professor at Master Seminary, so you'll like him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, the, the argument that Zechariah 12 has been completely fulfilled, um, it's flattening out the passage. I just, I don't like that particular interpretation. It's a valid interpretation, but I, I tend to um, dislike flattening out passages. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, in the original, one, the point, one of the things I was trying to make was that I don't, um, it can't be the ultimate fulfillment at all because he's talking about bringing, gathering all the nations against Jerusalem. That's in the previous text about them looking on him whom they appears. I mean, Zechariah 12, 9 says, and it shall come to pass in that day that I shall seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. That, and then right after that, it talks about them looking upon him whom, um, who was pierced. They shall mourn for him, excuse me, uh, yeah, they shall look upon him. So God did not destroy all the nations that came against Jerusalem at the crucifixion, from what I can recall. <laughs> so the context doesn't fit that, right? It's talking about the end times. So, no, I appreciate your clarification, yeah, so, Chris. Go ahead. So the, so the Reformed argument is going to be that he did destroy the system of the nations. This is one of the, the things you're going to get from a Gary Deal or, um, you know, from a, a Herman Bavnik or one of those guys and it's 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 valid that basically that at the crucifixion that the the system of the nations has been 
uh, destroyed, that Satan has been bound, and that uh, we begin the, the inaugural kingdom of Christ at the crucifixion. That would be the argument. And Chris, you have a lot of background noise. Are you like in a car wash or a wind tunnel? It just started happening. It's like hissing. It's like. I am in a wind tunnel. Edward, did that answer your question? Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Chris. You give me something to think about. I appreciate it. You're a smart guy. Thank you, Chris. And, and me, too. And uh, mostly, Chris. <laughs> and uh, CEO, um, repent. Loki is the worst show I may have ever seen in my life. What? Dude. Okay. The last, like, 15 minutes of episode four was pretty entertaining. The next episode was dull. And the last episode where I was expecting big stuff to happen, dude, my mind was melting out my ears. It was so awful. The only thing that kind of perked me up was the last five seconds where it shows Loki sitting on his throne with all the green webs around him. Dude, it that is so, so Okay, awful. so Nate, so Nate, Nate, I want you to think about all the character arcs you've ever seen since you've been watching TV and film. And I want you to tell me a better character arc than Loki's. Over 13 years, think about where he started at in the Thor movie to where he ended up after Loki season two. It is <clears throat> incredible story arc. Okay, so when this was presented, there was nothing about story arc. It was like, you're going to be blown away. That being said, this is the difference between us, where you talk about story arc, and you asked me to name the best one. Uh, the uh, uh, um, What was it? Thor's hammer and Captain American's shield. There you go. That That's me and story arc. That's, your, smash. that's your best story. Okay, I understand. All right, so we have... Very different ways of doing <laughs> things. So I will repent. I should have. Uh oh, you're chopping out. But at least you know about the. Uh, you're you're cutting out. But can you explain? So um, okay. So are you saying that now you think because there was kind of like it looked like could have been an evil little grin kind of on his face. Are you saying now Loki was bad, then he was good, and now he's still going to be good, like in control of like all time and space? Or is he going to revert back to being uh, power hungry and evil now? I couldn't get that from the no, last little glimpse I saw of him. No, he's good now. He's good. And, and what? So presumably he's, yeah, he's in charge guy. of he's in charge of everything. So he's like the most yeah. powerful thing he's in that universe. Being, yeah, he's the most powerful being in the Marvel universe at this moment. And then also you can see now how they can write Kang out or change Kang's storyline or do whatever they want with it now. So it was very clever in terms of how they approach things going forward. They created a lot of flexibility for themselves. Well, I'll be interested to kind of sort of see what happens. But Saba's back. Saba. Uh, what's up? How are you doing? Hi, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Okay, I have a very basic question. I, I made this uh, new account so I can ask all the questions that I have, but they're all basic, if you don't mind me asking. Sure. Okay, uh, so I am collecting the verses that I need, um, uh, you know, categorizing them, uh, that when I want to talk about Jesus to someone who doesn't know and have no idea that Jesus is God, 
um, you know, they come up with some questions like, okay, why we are sinners? So I started with the verses that shows that we are sinners and I'm done with that. But uh, now I want to find the verses that shows why death is atonement for our sins. And I want some explanation also. If you can help me with that. Sure, go right ahead. Okay, no, that, that's the question. Why death is atonement for our sins? Oh, why Jesus' death is the atonement? Um, well, I mean, going off what the Bible says. No, it, it why, was, any death is, why any death is yeah, atonement for Yeah, why sins. death is required. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm answering that right now. <laughs> so um, uh, it was around where you read in the Bible about the account of the Last Supper. Um, Jesus himself says, uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Um, so as, as far as like, you know, us and our, our human wisdom trying to figure out why God chose blood as the currency, um, it doesn't explain that. But what we do have is Jesus just outright stating, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Um, so is that like, were you looking for um, like, like where in the Bible, like why, like where Jesus outright says it? Or were you looking like why so God chose? You, let me frame it a different way. Exactly See, you're not helping. <laughs> She's saying, why, why is the sin of, uh, why is the wage of sin death? That's what she's asking. One moment, sorry. Okay, sorry. I was ending a, a text to someone. Okay, you have my undivided attention. Okay, so why is the wages of death, wages of sin death? That's That's the question? Yeah. Well, the Bible says it, but I'm, I'm going to go back to my question before CEO interrupted me. I, I'm just trying to figure out, like, if, if you want, like, the answer, like, like why or, like, where in the Bible it says it. Like, that that definitely depends how I answer. So, like, um, do you get what I'm saying? Like, do you want to know, like, why the wages of sin is death or it, how do I know that's the way? Because one of the answers okay. is the Bible just says the wages of sin is death versus do you want, like, a, a further answer, like, the why or the mechanics? If, no, if I that. want both. I want both, if you can give me both. Okay, so I, I just want to point out, like, when we're talking about, like, Bible questions and stuff, like, the things that the Bible outright claims, um, I mean, that's the easiest one, because if the Bible claims it, we just point to the verse and say, this is what the Bible says. Um, so the Bible is great for saying, hey, this is how it is, and, like, matter-of-factly stating answers. Um, but then when we want the why, like, you know, why did God choose blood? Um, and we're trying to like, you know, really like reverse engineer it to like the why, the why that's more subjective and we can get off on, you know, human wisdom that may or may not align with scripture. Um, so like there are some things like in, I think in Leviticus, it says something like the power of life is in the blood. Um, so then you could kind of deduce that and say, well, if blood is the sustenance, of, like if blood is required to sustain life, um, then we can say, well, Without blood, there is no life. Therefore, blood is valuable. So that could be a reason why God chooses blood. Um, or like the wages of sin is death. Um, and then if you keep reading, I, we can get the verse in a minute. But if you put that in context, it's like the wages of sin is death. And then I think it gives like a, I think in the next like little verse or in that context, it kind of tells you why the wages of sin is death. But basically everything was good. And when Adam and Eve, you know, sinned and they fell from their state, um, now they ushered sin into God's perfect world. Um, 
So because of that, you know, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. So why does sin cause death and why do we have to die? Well, the big answer is the Bible just says that's how it is. But then the more subjective answer is you could say, well, if God created everything perfect and then sin caused corruption, well, the end of corruption in pretty much everything you introduce corruption into, like if you introduce corruption through cancer into healthy organisms or cells or disease or something like that, and it corrupts, well, the end result by the time corruption, corruption has concluded is death. So, I mean, the Bible doesn't go into that detail, but using our, our human wisdom, which is usually something the Bible says don't do, but just for hypothesis sake, if we use our human wisdom, we can see why, well, if God was perfect and sin is against God, sin is corruption, and it corrupts the body, it corrupts the person. So the only conclusion is they have to die at some point um, because they're going to be corrupted. Did that make things worse? Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Thank you. Could I give you a... Can I jump in here for a second? Uh, yeah, but could we go all the way back to um, what Saba's very first question was? Could you speak to that? Um, and it was, why did God, uh, what was the very first thing you asked before I got off on that tangent? It was about blood, right? Yeah. Or death and atonement, why? right? Yeah. C can you ask it again? Um, uh, why death is required and blood is required for our atonement, for our sins. There you go, Todd. Okay. All right, so, hi Saba, by the way, thanks for coming in, and um, I think the easiest way to answer this is to talk about life, and in God is life. Would you agree with that? God is the giver of life, and the sustainer yeah. of life, Yeah. and in Him... Uh, everything is created and everything has its existence. Everything has its its being. So God is life. And when we sin or we transgress the law of God and we broke his commandments, which is what we call sin, then we have to die because what that means is we actually have to be separated from God. Because God is holy. He is perfectly holy. And he cannot look on unrighteousness. He cannot look on, he cannot look at unholy beings, unholy creatures, which we have become. By sinning, we are now unholy, and he cannot be with us. So we are separated from that life-giving source, being God. So that is what we mean by death. We are separated from God. And that is why we have to die. Um, two ways. Physically, we have to die. And then we must die by being separated from God for eternity. And that is our wage. That is what we owe God for our sin, for breaking his law. So that is why it says that the wages of sin is death. Now, that's our, that's our problem, okay? That is... That is the problem that we have, that we are now separated from God eternally. Now, why does blood have to do with that? What does blood have to do with that? So God has made it that in this problem we have, he's got a, he's got a solution, right? He has good news to fix this bad news of our separation from him because he loves his creation so much that he 
is going to make it so that the wage of our death can be paid. And he did this by sending his son. And his son is God, and his son is eternal, and that is the son of God, and that is that which became flesh, known as Jesus Christ. So this Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, that became a person, is eternal, and he can take the eternal payment that we owe. Um, he can take on that punishment, and he can take on that wage that we cannot, because we are not eternal. And so by dying, he died in our place. Okay? Which is what it means by the shedding of the blood. Um, basically, that he died when we should have died. He did it for us instead. So really, uh, that's that's really the gospel. That's really the the problem, that we are separated from God, uh, and we can't pay that eternal debt that we owe him. But he made a way through his son, Jesus Christ, that he would die in our place. And now, through faith in him, we can be brought back close near God. God, um, God's wrath and God's anger is placed on his own son so that he can take the wrath that we are owed so that he can actually bring us back close into fellowship with him again. And that is how we are reconciled to God and we have, we have uh, redemption. We have salvation. It's not anything that we do. We don't earn it. Christ earned it for us by dying for us. And so what we, what we do is we, we thank him, we have faith in him, and we worship him. And the Father, God, loves us in that way. So I hope that helps clear it up. Yeah, thank you. Actually, no, it makes sense to me 100% now. Uh, if it was three years ago, I didn't understand. I mean, I heard all these things before, but I didn't understand. Now I do. It's just, I'm going to ask just one more question. And then uh, if you can give me some verses from Bible about the atonement. Um, when you encounter uh, a non-Christian person and they have no idea about what you're talking about, do you keep going and telling them about Jesus or you just um, leave the Holy Spirit do his thing and you just leave them? What do you do? Because, you know, um, as for me, myself, I heard these things before, but they didn't make sense to me. But now they do. I mean, I understand totally what you're saying. Uh, but before um, I didn't understand. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. No, I'm done. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess the, the first question, um, you know, Jesus tells us in, uh, let's see, Matthew 10, 14. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust from your feet. Um, and it says the same thing in Luke 9, 5. If people don't welcome you, leave the town and shake, shake the dust from your feet. And it says that's a testimony against them, against them that they're going to have to answer, for God, answer to God and God will be their judge. So the, the takeaway is, yes, we're called on the Great Commission to share the gospel, to preach the good news. And the good news, uh, it, it's typically understood as very, very simple, right? 
that Jesus is God. He created everything. He died on the cross for our sins. So by his blood, we can be forgiven if we simply believe that his death, his burial, that he resurrected from the dead and is alive forever. If we believe that, we repent. We turn from our sins and turn to Jesus and follow him, follow his teachings, live as he lived and ask him to give us eternal life because he says he'll give eternal life freely to anyone who wants it without cost. So if we believe all that, ask him for forgiveness, for eternal life, and to be born again, that right there is the gospel. Um, so if people believe that, if, they're, if they are willing to, to express faith and believe that and confess those things and pray that to Jesus um, in their heart, then they are saved. Um, typically, if you start going like it, the gospel, when people think of the gospel, that's kind of the simplicity. They don't think of secondary and tertiary teachings about like, um, you know, at the offset, like the Trinity or a hypothetic union or big words or anything like that, because ultimately it's not necessary. If, if you keep living and you keep being a Christian, you keep following Christ, then yes, you should go deeper and you will get to that stuff. But at the onset in the gospel, if because if you look at the uh, like John the Baptist and Jesus and all the disciples, you don't see them talking about like really deep doctrines that we talk about here constantly. Uh, they just present the good news and people believe. So it, it's if people aren't willing to just accept that and entertain that then any complicated question they're going to ask is probably not going to lead them any closer to Jesus. It could maybe, I mean, maybe someone is just an inquisitive person. Like it's, it talks about, you know, there are some examples like in Paul in Greece, when he reasoned with these people on a daily basis for a long time. So, I mean, it doesn't say how many of them came to believe the gospel, but it does say he reasoned with them a lot. So there's a time for that, but as a general rule, if people are going to be convinced, um, no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws them, right? So no one can come to God through any amount of convincing. If someone manages to convince someone through clever arguments in their own wisdom, they can be convinced out of it the same way. So if it's truly a God thing, something is going to like hit their heart when they hear the simple gospel, and they're going to be drawn like a moth to a flame, and they're going to want to explore, they're going to want to investigate and you're going to like be able to discern that they want to know more sincerely versus, oh, yeah, you need a dead zombie to die for me. Tell me more about that. I mean, you could discern pretty quickly. They're probably not serious. Um, so I, I would say that the Holy Spirit lives with the people um, who are Christians. We're told the Holy Spirit of God will live with us and guide us into truth and understanding. So you're going to be able to discern. So it would be worth it, I think, to contend a little bit. But if you discern someone is just kind of like, you know, setting you up for failure or wasting your time, there are plenty of examples like John the Baptist, where he says he preached repentance. So, you know, repent, repent of your sins. And, you know, then Jesus shows up and he's like, here's one. I'm not worthy to lace his sandals. So it's all about Jesus. So if someone tries to take the conversation to how can Noah's ark float or, you know, what kind of fruit really was it in the Garden of Eden? And it just seems anything to like get the message off Christ keep the message on Christ and either they're going to get sick of it real quick and want to stop talking about it, or they're going to be more um, interested in Christ. Um, so anyways, that, that's what I would say to the first part uh, about the atoning verses you asked for. Um, let's see, John, first uh, John two, two, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. And this is in, you know, John three sixteen. this says whosoever. So whosoever believes, that's what that means. Um, anyways, so 1 Peter, let's see, um, 1 Peter 
For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made you alive in the spirit. Uh, two more. Uh, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, Hebrews 9.22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything can be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And that echoes the same thing Jesus says um, around the story of the um, the Last Supper. Um, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, and his blood will be poured out for the forgiveness of many. Um, sorry, that was really long, but did that help? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, I wrote them down. Thank you. And uh, Chris, thanks for the link. You said I can use VPN to check that out. Okay, yeah, definitely check that yeah. out because W.A. Chris, well, he's an old-timey preacher. Um, he preached this, I think, 60 years ago. I think. Well, this is like when he was in his 80s. He preached it in the 90s or something like that in the 1990s. But um, he preached this sermon, I believe, first in like 1940-something because um, he's super old. Um, well, he's dead now, but... Um, but uh, it has what is a famous, this is a very famous sermon called the Scarlet Thread through the Bible, where it lays out why blood is used from the first verse in Genesis, where God kills the animals um, <clears throat> to uh, clothe Adam and Eve, all the way to Revelation. He literally goes through the entire Bible in 40 minutes with all the verses. Great, thank you. And, and I don't know what was that. I, what, what, oh, one second. what was that again? The Scarlet Thread. Who was the guy? For those who can't see the link, W. A. Criswell. He was one of the founders of the seminary that my wife went to. Oh, uh, random. Yeah, go ahead. I don't, I don't know if you if, you, if you'd allow it. Uh, as a non-Christian, uh, I can tell you from kind of my perspective, just pointing people to the Bible uh, would probably be your best bet. Just have them read the Bible. I mean, of course, I'm not going to say don't read the Bible. Um, yeah, I mean, assuming they have the time and wherewithal and want to read the Bible, then yes, you should totally read the Bible. Uh, but, you know, we're also commanded to share the good news. Um, so, I mean, I guess if you just want to go throw a Bible at someone, be like, hey, read this. <laughs> but, um, you know, anytime someone recommends a book to me, I usually say, okay, well, what's this about, right? They're like, well, read the book. I'm like, well, well yeah, but just, just tell me. Is it about science? Is it about space? Like, you know, the title's not really um, alluding to that. So, you know, what's... What's it about? I'm like, oh, this is the Bible. This is how Jesus is God, and he created everything, and he died for your sins. That's imperfections. That's regrets you have, anything apart from God. So, you know, he says if you repent, turn from that, and believe in him, ask him to for forgive you, give you eternal life, and save you, then you will be saved. That's what this is about. Here, and I'll go read it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, just, I just meant to give the perspective from, uh, from a non-Christian side. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I would, I would definitely, I mean, you know, recommend reading the bible um and read it like a book right so lots of people skip around through it but we don't really do that with any other like book um maybe a reference book but i mean typically we open it and we read it from page one all the way to the end and i, I think when people um don't do that <laughs> that can you know that can cause problems because then they'll just read like little bits and pieces and it's like watching like bits and pieces of a movie it's like this doesn't make any sense it's like well yeah you started at 20 minutes in and you stopped 40 minutes early um anyway Anyone else have anything to add about that? Or Sabbath, do you have any more uh, questions?
No, thank you. I'm done. Well, you can all hear me run my sync for a minute. Oh, Phil. What's up, Phil? I just saw your hand. Are you speaking? Hey, we got a dippity. Dippity, dippity, doo. Morning, guys. Good morning. Hey, morning. Good morning. The dippity, is the grind still a thing? It is. Are you not in there? No. What's that? Oh, I'll check on that, Chris. Is that another club Chris got kicked out of? No, <laughs> it's just had to migrate several times, and I think I just didn't make it in the last migration. <laughs> yeah. It's totally I'll, an accident, right? That, what is this, a Discord server or a clubhouse thing? It's a clubhouse house. It's just it's like a right, few Chris. of friends. You're, yeah, you're in good company. I'm not in there. I've never been in there. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I'm pretty sure that's by design, though, Nate. Yeah, because I'm so much worse than you. Actually, I was. I, I know. Got, I, and yeah. By the way, I enjoyed Calvinist Nate when you were giving that 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 whole breakdown. That was fantastic. No one comes to the Father lest he draw him. Oh. The difference I is love you think. I mean, you know, there is a difference. You think the difference is like he picks like ten people out of the world and draws them, and none can resist. I happen to think there's a general drawing over pretty much everyone um, that, you know, if they blind themselves, like the God of this world has blinded them or they, you know, darken their own eyes and ears, then, you know, they can resist, <laughs> um, Nate, which is so, totally so, Calvinism. It's totally really Calvinism, quick, right? Really quick. This is going to be fun. Really quick. So how did Jesus exactly draw the message of the cross to people in um, – 300 AD in Peru. The same way uh, people would have been drawn uh, before Jesus, maybe. Just asking. Just answering. <laughs> All right, I'll see you guys later. Hey, Chris, Chris, before you go, do you know who Catherine Crick is? Oh, oh I just sent yes. him a... I just, did you see that, Chris? I, I love see me some Catherine Craig. Okay, go Dude, ahead. Go I, for I, it. Tell me. I, I sent you the Holy Nope video. Does anyone follow that on Facebook? That's one group I haven't been kicked out of yet. It's called the Holy Nope, and it basically takes like the most wild, uh, heretical people giving sermons. And it's like this very, very like um, – it, it looks like a very much um, – gosh, how do you even say it? Probably like Steph's husband, Chad. I imagine how he looks with like uh, the mustache all like polished and – you know, in like a, like just regular work, worker jeans with like a tucked in blue collar shirt, button down, very clean cut, like hair, high and tight hairstyle, like one of those people uh, who would like enjoy like maybe a, maybe a nice IPA at a bar. Um, anyways, so it shows this guy every episode, they're like 10 seconds long. He like walks in, he's like, all right, got my Bible going to church. Here I go. And he like sits down all nice and proper in like the church pew. And then it like cuts to like this total heretic talking about the most wild things. Anyways, the most recent one was Catherine Crick talking about, I, I forget, I sent it to you, Chris. It was just insane stuff. And, and after it goes on a little bit, he's like, um, um, and his eyes are start shifting and she'll, then they'll say something just so crazy. He's just like, nope. It <laughs> just jumps up and walks away. <laughs> Sorry, CEO. That made me think of that. Catherine Kirk was the most recent one. This is hilarious. It's the holy nope on Facebook. <laughs> anyway, Chris, you know who that is? I know you know who it is because you told me, but for CEO's question. Yeah, yeah, I love me some Catherine Crick. She's 
She's a close contender to Cat uh, Kerr. So, what 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 did you got about Catherine Crick? Elaboration. Tell me some further elaboration. Wait, 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 wait. First of all, is Catherine Crick your new client? I talked to Catherine Crick last week, and I'm speaking to her again tomorrow. So I'm doing my I'm doing my research. What I will say is she is a very kind person. Uh huh. Well, the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. Yeah. So I'm doing. So you. So you all are part of my due diligence. So Chris, tell me, what do you give, give me? Your I mean, advice. I can send. Are you? Did we ever figure out this Discord thing so I could back channel you? I don't think we no, did. No, I still suck at Discord. I don't know how to use it at all. I mean, okay. Well, I just, mean, I can just got to add him as a friend. Well, tell him your name so he can just like add you. Okay. Well, you know what you can do. It, all the the really quick thing is just go to protestia.com. And just type in Catherine Crick, and you're just gonna see like probably thirty or forty <laughs> articles of like her craziness. So like, yeah, she's a she's a genuine nutball. Maybe this is your Esther moment. This is your for such a time as this, where you can like you know do do whatever she's asking, and then just like dive vomit and like expose her in front of all of her followers, and you know like lose your job and become homeless. But at least you would have done some good in the world. Yeah, I'm just dying for some specifics because, again, like talking to her, she was about the kindest person I spoke to this year. Okay, Chris, um, can we can we help this guy out? Besides me, (laughs) can we can we take like how long would it take? Like, where's the best place to go? Because if you type in like Catherine Crick, like like what would you do to get the clips of her saying the most crazy stuff? Like, because if you type in sermon, it's going to give you like a four hour long thing, right? So. Yeah, so no, no, no. just go, go to, to Protestia Crick. and use the search engine on Protestia. They're going to show you all the articles about Catherine Crick. Well, yeah, but we need her saying yeah, stuff I'm so on, he can just, yeah, like, I'm do a fast there. study. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah well, I mean, they, they've got the video clips there, she, too. She, oh, okay. She's not the yeah. sneaky squid spirit, is she? That's, that's no, G, that's Jennifer LeClaire. Okay. Is she part of the Marine Kingdom, though, at least? Oh, yeah. Catherine Crick is a genuine nutball. She thinks she's in charge of all Christians. That's one thing that's pretty funny. And she's like, and if I'm not in charge, you better get out of the way. And I was like, oh, what what you going to do, Catherine Crick? I'm pretty sure you're like 98 pounds soaking wet. So I'd like I'd love to see you take on like Robert Godfrey. Be good that. times. Mm. Um, oh, oh, territory, um, territories in the spiritual realm. Um, let's see. Well. I mean, uh, let's see, How to Humble Yourself by Apostle Catherine Crick. Um, <laughs> anointing and Importation, Apostle Catherine Crick. How to Access the Spiritual Realm, Apostle Catherine Crick. Uh, let's see. These are all like full-on sermons. I mean, if you could stand probably one of these sermons, you'd see, but um, clips. Maybe clips. Even the clips are like 50 minutes. Um, oh, oh, right. Jior Davy. Is that, is that her spiritual sugar daddy? Is that the, is that yes. the one? Or is that, it's Catherine Crick? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Catherine Crick has a spiritual sugar. She calls him that, right? Like, like that's the name. It's like her spiritual, um, spiritual sugar daddy is this dude, this African preacher named... Gior Davy, 
um, who's been accused of like, um, or you can look him up. We had a whole, we had a whole podcast about this. Go to the Ask a Christian podcast on uh, BitChute, bitshoot.com slash Ask a Christian, and scroll down to the title probably a month ago where you see like Catherine Crick and like spiritual sugar daddies. Because um, we like had a whole conversation about these two. We like, I looked up Gior Davy and it's like he was accused um, in his church by parishioners of all kinds of things. Like, um, I, I mean, stealing money was like the least atrocious thing. It was like imprisoning people, like not letting them leave his sermons until he was like done. Um, it, it was it was pretty wild stuff um, he was accused of. Anyway, that's her spiritual sugar daddy. Okay. Well, CEO, oh, I think you've got it. enough. You've okay. got enough material. What does she want you to do? Like, um, I, I forget what you do. Like, don't you know, get yourself fired, unless you're your um, own boss. But no, do you... So, so um, get her her next book deal, um, and grow her social and that sort of stuff. Hey, can't you do that for all of us, just out of like general charity, and because you made me watch Loki? I would be happy to help you get a <laughs> Ask a Christian book deal. Seriously, I would be happy to do that. Oh, well, cool. Um, oh, oh, boy. That would be good times. Chris, if you had a book, what would it be about? Would it be just about, about everything or like one subject in particular? I've, I've been writing a book for quite a while. so. What's it about? Um, it's about passing on um, the faith to the next generation. Oh, see, case in point right there. I didn't say, hey, can you just send me a copy? I'd like to read it. I said, what's it about? So you had to, I mean, it's you not had to share yet. the gospel only... of your book. Yeah, I'm like only halfway through, so I'm not done yet. CEO, didn't I send you a copy of the Ask a Christian book that absolutely no one has read? I thought um, I sent you a PDF of that. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah. I've read it. Oh, you actually did? I bought it, reviewed it, and read it, yeah. But whatever, you know, that's fine, mate. Did you Dude, I didn't know that. I, 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 I knew you gave a review, but I knew you gave a review, but I remember you said like, since I haven't read this, I have to be honest. And it was the review. It was just like, you know, Nate's a good guy. I've known him in the podcast. And, you know, he has like good stuff to say, but I, I didn't know you've actually read it. I'm sorry. Thank I'm pretty you, sure it was a better review than that. So I reviewed it right away when I bought it saying that you were a clear communicator and the information was really good. But then I did end up, I think I got halfway through it before I had to get distracted, but I have read it. Oh, wow. You, you, you know how you're not destined for success? Like, my own mother. I, I don't even think she's finished it. Because, <laughs> like, before I put it out, like, I, I, you know, she's like, oh, I'd like to see what you're writing, and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, it's it's good. It looks nice. The words are big. I'm like, really, Mom? <laughs> really, Mom? She's like, well, some of it's hard to understand. I'm like, if my mother won't, <laughs> if my mother won't read the thing. Okay. Yvette read it. I'll just run my mouth on Facebook and get in trouble and kicked off somewhat Christian civil discussions. Well, you've gotten kicked off all the papist ones, right? The ones point, that don't just want to argue. <laughs> For the record, the Ask a Christian book basically recounts the last 12 years, like the inception, the start of this thing, and then some of the like common stuff that we've all discussed about, like ad nauseum in here, uh, just like some of those discussions, and then how to you know like deal with like the internet, and like if, if you're just like a Christian who has a heart of gold and the purest uh, intent of driven snow. And you want to like jump online and win people for Jesus, like maybe pointing out some pitfalls, like, Hey, if you just tell them your personal testimony and, you know, cast your pearls before swine, 
maybe you should think just a little bit about this. So it's kind of like internet etiquette, like dealing with, you know, the demons we encounter. Totally not you, random. You're a good guy. Um, <laughs> but, um, He's talking about know, me. Some, well, <laughs> some Christian demons, oxymoron. Um, yeah. So some, some words of advice and things like that. You know, you well, know hey, who that is right are... now? Sorry. Sorry. Oh, do you know who that is right now? That's, do you guys know Sticks? This dude no. is awesome. And he comes in here sometimes. He's and he is just fired up, man. He can't wait to tell people about Jesus. And he is just like, he is just getting the full internet experience. And he is oh. just flabbergasted half the time. He's like, wait, what? And he's like, wait, what? I mean, if I, ha- I, I swear, I wish I had like a super clip of sticks just saying, wait, what? And it would be like a hundred wait what's long. I mean, it is like it's really good. And uh, uh, I love that dude. And he's just, he's getting the full Monty right now of like the internet. <laughs> and he's uh, like, what? what? You. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if you actually wanted to, at some point in the future, take this book down from Amazon, I'd be happy to shop it to you to a traditional publisher. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm... It's not like he's selling on any on Amazon now. So go ahead, Nate. I sold one to Steph. Back off, Chris. That's true. I'll, and you bet. I'll buy one. I'll buy one. Huh. You guys are too kind. Yeah, you're going to get like, what, 32 cents when I buy it? Yeah, maybe you should wait until CEO does it, and then you'll see You'll see me right next to And then you'll get 34 the cents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, CEO, um, are you on Discord? Yes, but I don't know how to use it effectively. <laughs> Well, I'm not even going to try LinkedIn. Ask a Christian, I am in the Ask a Christian group, but in terms of like finding voice rooms and stuff and other things, I have no idea how to use it. Well, we mainly use it as a text channel. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard for a voice chat. Either. Yeah, it's, it's mostly for funny memes and fighting with Catholics. <laughs> oh, by the way... Um... So my well, son CEO, has gotten can, done. Oh, oh, uh, well, well, so we can put a stop to this. Uh, CEO, could you um, just do a, like a voice message here or something whenever you leave with your, like your uh, phone number or something? So I'll just sure. call you and we don't have to take up any more time about hearing about Chris's child. What what's your child do? Sure. So we just finished um, Star Trek, the original series, and he started uh, Strange New Worlds. And he's already like. He's like, oh, I love that leather jacket. I need one of those. So I seriously bought this kid the production leather jacket. I found one online for like a hundred bucks um, from this <laughs> new Star Trek series. I mean, he's gonna do it to himself. He's it's like it's perfect. It's girl repellent. I love it. <laughs> Why does he want to repel girls? I mean, general. general no, I want idea, to but... repel girls. Oh, away you from want him. to? Okay. Yes. Okay. Like all the girls. Oh my gosh. And so I'm like, no, no. Stay away from 14 year old girls. They're just all drama. They're they're literally made out of like the substance of drama. Do you think oh, he's that's susceptible like... to the Jezebel spirit? <laughs> the Jezebel spirit infests the spirit of drama. It's just it's it's a it's a terrible combination. And the spirit of TikTok is in there too somewhere. And I still have yet to unleash the face hugger spirit on the, uh, on the, oh, wait a minute. CEO, definitely take Catherine Crick. 
Catherine Crick can be my gateway to pushing the face hugger spirit because I can send you a whole description of the, the face hugger spirit and she will make this the subject of her next book and she's going to think it's awesome. And I will just let her have it. Like she can just have it and she can throw down the face hugger spirit and it will be amazing. Is that like really cynical? That is a mess. Cynicism isn't always bad. It's not always terrible, right? I mean, I mean, dude, the facehugger spirit has got to happen. I feel like Jesse could just sell his soul and just become like a like a Pentecostal like word faith guy, and uh, he could he could sell the facehugger spirit. Oh, but do you all have a serious question you want me to ask her, and I can report back on Wednesday? I got a question. What's up, Joshua? Um, so why would God uh, create Lucifer, the devil? Why? Why? Why does does the Bible explain that? Off the top of my head. I don't believe there's anywhere it specifically tells why God created Lucifer. Um, so we have to, you know, use our own hypothesis. Um, and I think there's enough in there that you can get like, you know, testing of one's faith to make sure it's strong. Like the Bible does talk about that, like testing faith to make sure, you know, it's like what true or genuine or strong. So if there was no Lucifer and there was no evil and there was nothing bad, then there's no way to know if your faith is genuine or, or anything. So then you could say, well, why did he have to make it so bad? Uh, or why did he have to make Lucifer, you know, which would unleash such a amazing amount of evil? Well, we really don't know. Except, you know, it fall, rain falls on the just and unjust alike. So that would be my answer. We don't ultimately know why God made Lucifer. But if we just think about it, um, it's got to have something to do with, like, you know, testing our faith or, or presenting the, the dichotomy between good and evil or light and dark or something like that. Um, what do you think, Chris? Well, God doesn't have motives. <laughs> so, I mean, like, God he doesn't think... He has a motive if he created this. No, 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 no. God doesn't think discursively like we do. God does not have motives. God does not have motivation to do anything. God just does. So this is a misapprehension of the nature of God and the character of God that he actually has motives. God does not do things for a why reason. Um, that's not that's not possible for him because he has all knowledge. And so he doesn't ponder, he doesn't think in the way that we do. He already has all knowledge. This is omniscience. And so when we're talking about this, I don't know Jesse is going to quibble with me on this, but it's just a that's a minor point, Jesse. What I'm trying to get across is that I didn't say anything. God I know you didn't say anything. I was well, what's the point it. of the Bible if there's no motive? So so God God is love, right? He is justice. God is his attributes. Now his operations are separate from his attributes, but God um displays his glory to us. And why he does those things, we will never know because again there, there is no why with God. God cannot have a why. It's just not possible. Okay, so, so God, for, for humans, there is no like clear objective 
for human beings, right? That's what. Oh you're no, saying. of course not. No, the what is the what is the uh, full? Uh, so sorry, what is the, the Ten Commandments? Well, so hold on. So then, what is the uh, full duty of man to love God and enjoy Him forever? Okay, so the, there are answers to these questions. Why is there the Ten Commandments? God has a prescription for His creatures. Um, that includes the moral law. And the Ten Commandments is not a full encapsulation of the moral law. It is a pullout of the moral law, kind of like you have a pull quote. And so we see the Ten Commandments and his moral law as a prescription for how we are to behave. So um, translation question here. So, of course, I would agree with you that God has no motives in terms of how we think about it. However, what is the closest word we have to thinking about God. Is motives the closest word, or if there's a closer word, what is it? Quantum. I mean, it's just like whenever we try to describe the mind of God, we're gonna we're gonna fail, right? Like, I mean, I I can't tell you I like I don't know what it means to not think discursively, like to have a thought after another thought, right? That just means that I you I, have a discourse in your mind. Like I don't understand what it means to think not doing that i can't because i, I, I don't think have another i would example. posit that it's nature it's it's probably nature or essence would be the well hang on let's, the, let's not well let's not get too far away since i don't know joshua and we get new people so rarely i want to make sure he gets his uh questions answered uh joshua is that anything or did you have any anything else or does that satisfy anything no i'm really i'm really just i'm really just listening i appreciate the feedback can I recommend him some resources? There's three books that I recommend to you. Um, do you want to write these books down before I give you the name and authors? Yeah, one second. On the specifically on the issue of yeah, go ahead. It's specifically on the issue of evil's existence or presence in the world, right? It's going to answer. It's going to answer the question about Satan. Uh, depending on the point in the book, it's going to be on like particularly why Satan, but Satan's going to be taken under the category of evil. So why did God permit evil? First one I'd recommend is "What About Evil" by Scott Christensen. What About Evil? And that's by Scott Christensen. The next one that I would recommend to you is Love, Freedom, and Evil by uh, Thaddeus Williams. Love, Freedom, I think it's Love, Freedom, and Evil. Right, Chris? Love, Freedom, and Evil, that's the title. I don't have it in front of me. Yep, sure is. Love, Freedom, and Evil, Dr. Thaddeus Williams. Yeah, and then the last one is going to be God, Freedom, and Evil by Alvin Plantinga. Now, the first by one... Who's the author in the last one? Alvin Plantinga. Okay. God, Freedom, and Evil. The, the, first, uh, the first one is going to be the best one to start with because it's a full... It's um, somewhat of a cheaper book, kind of, you know, as far as what its price is for its size going to be a way more comprehensive book because it's trying to deal with the whole subject matter the other two 
uh, Love, Freedom, and Evil and God, Freedom, and Evil. Those two are um, particular arguments, right? They're very specific arguments within the vein, within the uh, broader discussion of evil's existence in the world. Um, the first one, Love, Freedom, and Evil by Thaddeus Williams, is a particular argument from the particular argument within the vein of evil's presence on the side of Reformed theology. And the last one by Alvin Plantinga, that is going to be a particular argument from the side of libertarianism. So with those three recommendations, you have a good starting point for the discussion of evil. Although I would recommend if you just want a really good, approachable, and uh, easy start to that category because it's so massive and there's so much literature to it, it's hard to navigate. If you want a good entrance with lots of citations, you can go read the bibliography. He recommends and talks about res other resources as he goes, right? That your best bet is going to be What About Evil by Scott Christensen. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, and, Jesse. Thanks, Jesse. And I guess the only thing I have to say on that is, you know, the Bible does tell us uh, that when we, you know, we hear and respond to the gospel, Jesus, his death, burial, resurrection, that the Holy Spirit of God will live with us and guide us into truth and understanding. So, um, you know, I would, I would recommend also that if anyone actually cares, right? So that's, that's the big thing, right? Like if you, if you have all the, all the head knowledge in the world, but don't respond to it, um, you've done nothing. Um, you know, you've wasted time. You could have been like gardening or starting an iguana farm or something. Um, so like uh, intellectual knowledge is good, but I would definitely stress um, the importance of following up and acting on that knowledge, um, which would end in eternal life, just like Jesus says. So um, that is one thing the Bible outright does say is all of this is so God's creation can be reconciled to God and live in heaven forever with their creator. Um, so I would say that, but um, CEO, um, I, I only have a limited amount of time in the day. Do you have like a couple moments for a private conversation? Are you telling us you're going to leave us? Sorry, Nate. Nate, Nate, I apologize. Um, can you repeat that? Do you have a moment for a private conversation? Right now the second or sometime later? Today? Yes, right now the second because I have to get on with my day very soon. Um, I don't this second. I got to hop to a call. but You're dead to me. Later, yes. I was going to say, man, you, you're going to leave us with the queen of heretics here, Steph? That's fine oh, with me. No. You guys I don't have a problem with that. Steph. I like Steph. I didn't say I had a problem with Steph. I mean, <laughs> you know, nonetheless. I'm too sick today to fire back at Chessie. But uh, yes, my time is done. I'll, I'll leave the queen here uh, as long as she wants to. Oh, no, I'm throne. too sick to mod the room. Oh. Are you here at 920? You're cutting out. I, it, today's got to be a very busy day. You can just <laughs> mod me. Go ahead. And then, um, oh. I'm doing and, it. I'm doing it. All right. So, wait. Ha, Steph, have you actually heard the uh, sound clip? With no. the screaming goats? <laughs> you got to just indulge him. Like, he is determined to. Wait, she has heard it, right? She was heard it the other day, right? No, no I she haven't. did. She wasn't. Oh. All right. Let me see if I can find it. He's like a kid in a candy store. He's so happy with this. I spent literally 11 minutes making this. 
I spent 45 minutes making the Pope Cope song. It was pretty good. We still need like a 15 second cut of that so we can use it as a bumper. So like it that, that would work just the first 15 seconds. Like it's Pope yeah. Cope, Pope Cope, just enough lies to after all. So done. Just chop it off at 15. All right, done. Are, are you playing your farming experience? I got one more question. I got oh, yeah, to go over oh. the team viewer here in a second. So give me a minute. Yeah, go, go ahead, Joshua. Joshua. So if so if the Bible says we have free will, but in the same breath we have an omnipresent God, how how does that suggest that we have free will? Well, the first question <laughs> is you're going to get Christians who uh, agree and disagree with free will. So um, and each side both uses the, the like same verses to prove their point. So that right there is going to be a discussion until Christ comes back is do we truly have free will or do we not have free will? Um, so, mean, so just like know, so, so just know that I'm on your side, right? I think that, but there are, you know, a lot of people that don't think that. Um, so just know. So yeah, I want to hear, I want to hear, I want to hear from the people who don't, who don't, or who, who can, you know, and you will like both sides are represented here on stage right now. Okay, <laughs> and I cool. bet the room, I bet the room is fairly divided. So, so just know that you're going to hear both sides and they're both going to use the Bible verses for their reference. Um, anyway, Steph, did uh, you, did you say that I had the perspective of, was it called modism or something like that? Or started with an M modalism? Um, oh. no, no, um, yeah, I, um, middle knowledge, oh, middle knowledge. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, hang on. Let's uh, let's hear Chris with his goat because he's so happy, and then Chris can answer Joshua first. Oh no, no, I'm still I'm still working on. That. I'm trying to like actually work like my job and do this. So give me a minute. Can I just ask Josh a question? So well, hang on. Wait, wait, Josh. Okay. This, this does not need to be this hard. Like the question Josh wants to know is talking about the Bible. Do we or do we not have free will? I can't hang around for it. But oh, okay, Josh. So for example, if you get Steph to talk, she thinks we have free will. Chris totally does not think we have free will, and they're both moderators. So you're going to get like a good overview from them. <laughs> and then you'll probably hear a screaming goat at some point. But all right, guys, have a good one. I'll take uh, ta I'll take care. I guess I'll take care. You take care. Catch you guys <laughs> take later. Care, Nate. All right, take it away, Chris or Steph. <laughs>